Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're talking about episode 4 of Falcon the Winter Soldier with myself, Matthew Fox, along with Paul Hoppy and Will Freeland. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back, I'm Matthew. This I'm joined by two great guests. Start with Paul. Looking strong, Paul. What? Oh yeah, I've been lifting. <laughs> How are you doing, Jay? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I actually have started exercising again after a, a, a hiatus, if you will. Um, nice. Feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. Nice. And uh, Will was a great guest last time. We brought him back. How are you doing today? Good, man. I'm, I, I appreciate you liking what I bring to the table and wanting me to come back. For sure. For sure. Well, and I got to say, Will, at first I felt a little bad because... We brought you in last week and said, look, we do this podcast. We specifically talk about the ethical questions because so much of the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode one and two was just digging into all these questions about nationalism and patriotism and race and power and trauma and therapy. And then episode three was a ton of fun, but there wasn't much of that, you know, wasn't much of that to dive into. Well, ethics are back on the table, boys. We have a lot to go through. Yeah, I'm ready, man. So, what'd y'all think of this episode? Uh, my, well, I will say my jaw dropped tw- twice in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one in shock and one in excitement. Okay. Um, because because the Dormelagia are amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That scene went pretty much exactly as I would have expected it to, and it was so good. Oh man, oh man! I duh, there is there is a part of me every once in a while that feels bad for John Walker. <laughs> <laughs> like, How's that part of you doing now? He's <laughs> right. So, but like everyone, like I just he's in over his head in so many mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor military boy. Like it's just superhero dumb is just a whole other level uh-huh. <laughs> i mean that line he had of but yeah. they're not even super soldiers after oh the my god they kicked his ass <laughs> oh my so god good. so sad so sad <laughs> he's, i know he's like he's like there's very much the line of like the schoolyard bully getting yeah. bullied right oh <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it's like, dude, like, you can see him struggling, you can see him trying, but you also see, like, he is very much a veteran of war, and right. we don't need to see what he did in the war to know that he did some bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. He had and to compromise a lot of his own morals to earn those medals. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I mean, we'll get more into his character in a bit, but I definitely had some sympathy for him, too, in a way. Not in a, like, oh, maybe he's the hero, but in no. the... He's not a mustache twirler. He's kind of becoming a very understandable antagonist, especially in that, you know, he yeah, he recognizes that he had to cut corners. He doesn't like what he did in Afghanistan. He he seems to genuinely believe that he can do better now, but he's not very good at figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. Paul, what about you? What did you think of this episode? Um, I kind of hated it. Okay. Uh <laughs> I, th- I thought I'd leave that for like the big reveal. Um, <laughs> there were there were moments that I loved, uh, including uh-huh. the aforementioned moment. Um, if the series was longer, I'd probably quit. Like to be honest, 
Um, Interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm so excited about it at the beginning. I'm glad the last two episodes are not the same writer as these two middle episodes, as far as okay. I understand. Um, it's really felt like two very different series to me. Like, the first two episodes I thought yeah. were very well-paced from what I want, but obviously uh-huh. a bit slow for some people. Um, they felt very thoughtful and introspective, and um, I feel like in the two latest episodes... I feel like the characterization is uneven. I feel like the misunderstandings between Sam and Carly were like super contrived. Um, mm. It just, it feels to me like they're writing to connect set pieces. And some of those set pieces are awesome. Um, right. But like, I don't know. They should have just like let the Dora um, like kill Walker. <laughs> I mean, I I thought them, like, getting involved and be like, oh, now we're going to fight you. Like, no, what? Like, at least, like, jump in the middle like you're trying to, you know, like, break up a fight as opposed to then they just started fighting them. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, really? Are you really, really, you're going to let Zemo get away? Like, oh, like, you're going to let Zemo go get away because the plot wants you to let Zemo get away. But, like, they were there for him. right? Right. So, like, them letting him get away, I mean, just collectively, but, like... That sloppy Dora Yeah. Protocol. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I just feel like that's just because that's what the plot wanted. And mm-hmm. um, it. I, I think the series is continuing to delve into very interesting questions. Um, I feel like some of those questions are a little too big for a six-episode action series. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the beginning of this series, I was like, I'm either going to love it or hate it. And... I I definitely both, you know, uh-huh. like, and so it's just a very frustrating experience for me. That's fair. That's fair. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I I think you're right about the contrivance of the Dora scene, although I, the way they did it and the way Cap was, the new Cap was so <laughs> obnoxious. Like, I, I could buy him being, it, it, this, this episode certainly felt much less contrived than the last one. And in terms of the questions it's raising... I think I'm sort of torn because on one hand, like, yes, I don't feel like we're going to get a full exploration of them, but I'm not sure I need to because I do sometimes like a story where it's not saying, like, we're going to try and explore all these issues to their completion. We're just going to show you a story that's taking place in a world where these questions are taking place and kind of let people run with, like, you know, we've talked about how this podcast started because you and I had totally different views of t- of Civil War. Right. With me being Team Tony and you being Team Cap. And yeah. I you were like Team Tony? I am, yeah. I'll do an episode <laughs> at some point. Um, <laughs> Although I feel like the episode we did on that, you were sort of like, okay, so the actual details, fine. That's not really like the way it should be, but like the basic premise is. But conceptually, fine. Yeah, okay, I mean, like, I'll I'm, give I'm, you conceptually some slight team lowercase Tony. <laughs> I, I, my basic, yeah, Sokovia Accords are absolute garbage. I want the Avengers to have accountability. Right. I don't want them to have control. Someone to have control right. over them. Yeah. But yeah, but 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 the point being, like, Civil War didn't answer those questions. It raised right. them and let people keep discussing them. And so I, I, I feel like I'm okay if the show does that. But you're right. There's still a lot. Like I would be bummed if we don't go back to uh, some of the issues raised in in episode one. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Perfect. But also, like, this episode was also just so much fun that I sort of had to kind of stop. Last episode, I felt like I was the contrivances were very clear. This time, I was more like, "Oh yeah, okay, I guess that kind of doesn't make sense." But dude, it's cool. Hmm. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. Though the first two episodes and these second two episodes are very different shows. <laughs> yeah, like if it feel yeah. it feels like the first half of a season and the second half of a season in a lot of like 
TV shows. Oh yeah, um, where they do like the thirteen episode mini arcs yeah. or whatever, or five. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, funny. it makes me Good. real curious to see what five and six are going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious too. And it's funny. I mean, like we, uh, I especially, but I think Paul and I both like have a, a huge amount of respect for the um, a lot of the Netflix MCU mm-hmm. shows. And but what you just brought up, Will, about the the thirteen episode arcs, like. There's definitely some middle arcs in some of those seasons that go pretty far off the rails. Yeah. yeah, some of them definitely could have been like 10 episodes. Some of them were 10 episodes. I think they made the final, the second season of Iron Fist 10 episodes. And it's like, oh yeah, this is better than it would have been if it was 13 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that's the reason it was better than the dumpster fire that got totally bucked up in season one. But... Oh, yeah. Iron Fist. <sighs> yeah, daughters of the dragon. Give us daughters of the dragon for sure. Oh, they were so close. It's oh man, I oh, dip, dip. Anyway. that's that's a whole other that is thing. Yeah, that, yeah that's <laughs> for sure. I should have well, you guys on. We should all talk about uh, the Netflix MCU. I think that'd be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, there yeah, we go. That. That's that's, that's my that's my my favorite Marvel content, and like it's not even close. So I would yeah. I would love to talk about it. I think it's my favorite MCU content. I think if we're doing favorite Marvel, um, uh, Spider Verse might oh, okay. be there. But yeah, definitely, there's a lot to talk sure. about in Netflix. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's let's actually talk about this Falcon episode because as okay. I said, you know, there's a ton of ethics stuff that this went into. Um, let's maybe just kind of start with the. It felt like a big, big topic on in this episode was killing people who don't necessarily need to be killed. Mm-hmm. You know, and in terms, and I I really loved the way they juxtaposed some of those things because. You know, at the end of the episode, Cap just straight up murders someone. Yeah, cold blood murder in broad daylight. Cold blood murder in card daylight. And I think it's portrayed in a way where the camera and the director are very clearly telling you Cap did something wrong. Right. Like the blood dripping off the shield of Captain America has got to be one of the most searing and perfect images I've ever seen. At the same time, we're still getting Carly very much presented as a flawed but... But, like, maybe we're supposed to be on her side character, who also murdered people, um, you know, in terms of the people she blew up in the, the building. Up, yeah. Um, Zemo. Only three. <laughs> only yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, only three. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cap only does one. Um, Zemo, you know, murdered Nagel. And I, I like that, like, all the characters are talking about that and we're bringing up that, like, Sam clearly wants to see Carly in a different light. And he has some reason to. But also Zemo's kind of calling him out on it. So, so what, what was your take on kind of how they addressed that, this whole issue? Paul. Oh, I was going to... Okay. I... So, <laughs> I, I'm still salty about episode three where it just felt... I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I mean about uneven characterization where Uh I think the idea of the leader of this movement just being like, yeah, I'm going to blow up this building full of people that we took captive without telling my team. Like I, I don't buy that. Um, and I feel like if they just went in and shot people, like that would have made more sense to me in a lot of ways. Um, but like if we just take that at face value, um, I, I do think like, you know, the context in which you kill people matters. Like, in general, I'm I'm against killing people, right? Um, but, like, if you are... If your goal is to overthrow an oppressive system, like a, an oppressive global system, I think it's much more understandable than if your goal is to support that, um, that global oppressive mm-hmm. system, right? I mean... 
John Walker is a supremacist, right? And Zemo claims that anybody who takes a super soldier serum is a supremacist. I don't buy that. We can get into that. Um, but I, I do think like we got some insight into what was going on during the blip. Right. Right. In terms of like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that actually does sound like a better world. Now, granted, that's from one character's perspective in terms of how they're portraying it. But like the idea that now apparently borders weren't really a thing and countries were just like, yeah, you you can come in, you know, like we need we need workers like we're not trying to exclude people. Um, I mean, I see nationalism as in an inherently um, racist supremacist institution like I, I, right. I don't believe in the concept of nations I don't believe in the concept of borders and I think if you were to oh let's go out on a limb here say uh, say you had an infinity gauntlet and you just were like I am going to snap every officer of ice out of existence like I would be okay with that like and that might sound ridiculous but like you could, I mean, it would, I think it would be better if you were like, okay, here's my demands. You're going to abolish this, this agency that is doing evil in the world. And if you don't, they're going to cease to exist. And like, yeah, you could probably use the Mind Stone or something. And like, you know, so <laughs> if you have that much power, like you can avoid a lot of these solutions, right? But like in the real world or even in the MCU, if, if all you are is like a super soldier, um, which, you know, I, I just think should be like considered a performance enhancer, really. But, <laughs> um, you know, then you don't necessarily have uh, as many, you know, you don't have the luxury of as many methods. So I, I don't think it's the same thing. You know, I, I do think like, do her ends justify her means? I think probably not, because I don't think her means were going to actually achieve her ends. But if they were, I like, sure, yeah, you want to kill three people to abolish, like, international oppression? Yeah, go for it. Like, Mm -hmm. and, like, we'll hold a trial and you'll be guilty of murder. And, like, if we still have prisons, you'll go to one. But, like, we won't have borders anymore. And so a lot of people won't die who do die right now because we do. Right. And rant. (laughs) Yeah, I think think that is very interesting. I mean... Kill, killing in the name of getting your, <laughs> killing in the in the name of achieving a goal, is uh, I don't know. It's it that's tough. I mean, I I would prefer Sam's approach of, you know, even when your uh, your goals are different you still can find a common ground to figure to get this get to our like uh hopefully to our our goal but an individual person can change but i don't it's been proven so many times that people won't change Mm -hmm. Mm, or can't change Mm -hmm. institutions Um, yeah and so you know, you can you can have every single individual conversation ever, but you get in a room around a table of twenty five different points of view, and I don't think there's going to be a, a a net gain of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I think it's what I like so much is how much it raises these things in complicated ways because I think 
there are ways in which I think you're right that Carly's methods are that Carly's means are a lot more um, admirable in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, ends. Uh, and I think I think I agree with a lot of the things she's fighting for in terms of one world, one people. And you know, I share a lot of your same feelings about uh, borders and things like that. I think I struggle though with to to me one of the things is that, and this is kind of just you know my whole thing about people with, with superheroes in general is that who gets to decide that my goals are so worthy that I get to kill people? Right. Um, because to me, like, what does Carly do? She blows up a building because she's trying to th- she's trying to stop something that she sees as oppressing the world. Mm-hmm. What does Zemo do? Zemo blows up a building because he's trying to stop people from doing something that he thinks is destroying the world. I mean, what he does in Civil War in terms of uh, blowing up the UN building. Like, I think we're much more sympathetic to her cause than to his. Oh, I think uh, his is a little defensible, actually. Yeah, well, that's like, why I said more. I mean, I think yeah. I think there is some truth to his cause as well. Um, and, and, and But that's my point, is I feel like I, I don't think that that connection between the two of them is coincidental. Like, nor the oh, connection yeah. between her and... Uh, cap in this episode i think part of what this is to me part of what this is showing is trying to create simple rules of like you never do this for the cause it it just doesn't work like we we have to look at all the nuances and complexities um because i don't know yet where i stand on carly but i'm very i'm very conflicted and one of the things that i was looking at especially in this episode is and this is to me the one pushback i have about why i think maybe what Carly does make sense that I didn't think we had in episode three that I think we have now. She explains why she felt like she needed to do it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's working. Like what she oh. said was that she needed to, you know, make the bold statement. And she had two goals. One was to get more people to support her, mm-hmm. which is happening. But also she kind of wanted to, to, it's a thing actually that a lot of like revolutionary groups will do. Like they want to push the oppressor to bring the oppression much more out into the open. Right. You know, they want Which the seems GRC. to have worked. Yeah, they want the GRC to go. And, and look, like, in part because of what Carly started, Captain America is now on film murdering a guy with the shield. Yeah. Like, who's now and again, a I don't know if that justifies cause, it, but basically. like, I think others might be like, yeah, Carly might look at it and be like, I hate that I had to kill those people, but now more people are on our side. Yeah, that's like the Magneto quote the only good thing to come from. X-Men 3. (laughs) My single greatest regret is that Charles had to die for our cause to become real or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think it was interesting in the framing there. So when they're listening to the uh, newscast, and that's where we find out that, you know, 11 people injured, 3 people died. um, They... First, on the news segment, they first talk about the negative impacts and that uh, how much harder the GRC is going to um, push to security and try to fight the Flag Smashers. And it shows everybody's reaction to that. Carly gets up and starts to walk away. And that's when they throw in the part of the news segment that like, but it also has a lot more followers Mm. now. But like, it felt like such an afterthought even from right, the frame right. of a news and so like did people even listen to that how did why didn't carly like claim that and be like look we are working <laughs> right that, that wasn't the lead that was yeah. like kind of buried but i mean that's news for you right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I, I listened to um an episode of uh 
hype is my superpower and I, f- I forget whether it was the most recent episode i think um where what steve tells a mm-hmm. story about like this protest yeah and yeah. how the takeaway from the protest like on the news was like that it held up traffic and there was a pregnant woman who pregnant needed woman to pee. had to pee yeah, yeah. like yeah. that was the takeaway from the, the, yeah. the thing yeah. I mean, oh man, that that was heartbreaking. I felt so bad for that. For I know, and and of course that the delay was like mostly caused by the cops, like es- you know escalating, yep. Yep. totally ridiculous. I mean, I live here in Minneapolis, and when all this stuff was happening last summer, like mm. we had that kind of thing all the time. You know, the mm-hmm. number of times where like I would be watching friends of mine who were live casting from the protests they were at, and then watching the news, where like the story of it was completely different. Yeah, and yeah. I'm I am very. I mean, to bring this back to this, but I think it's very relevant. It looks like like people have just filmed Captain America with blood dripping down his shield. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it looks like that's like okay, game over. Like <laughs> that he's getting should canceled. be the lead, but like, yeah. he, but like, but can we also we point know how out the media... that Flag Smashers don't have a uniform? Yeah. It looks like he just killed a civilian in broad daylight. Yeah. Right. And I think the way, like, I think it'll be very interesting to say the way the media in the MCU spins that interest because I mean, like, like. You know, Battlestar did get killed. And I I want to do a quick aside, by the way, that I have a small issue here of in this world, when a super soldier punches a civilian oh. against a pillar, he dies. Ah. How many times did Steve Rogers, so in the most noble times. way, punch cops against pillars? But everything like Paul well, and I have had this rant before about yeah. how like people don't like. You know, Daredevil can hit people in the head with metal rods, yeah. but it's never a mortal wound unless the plot wants it to be. Right. Um, but so yeah, yeah the, old, the only counter to that is if you want, if you wanted to make the argument, it shows how much restraint a super soldier has to learn to have right. when fighting non-powered people. And then I think he's an interesting point because then it does get into like Carly is still fairly new to being a mm-hmm, super soldier. Exactly. She let her and, emotions take over. Well, but so in that case, if that's okay, John Walker is even newer to being a super soldier. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So does he get some does he get let off the hook some? But so but John Walker using Oh, also, let's also Oh gosh, there's too much to talk about. Um I know. So, so good. the but the parallels in positioning of John Walker and the Flag Smasher, I forget his name, uh, and Steve and Tony at the end of Civil War. They both had the man pinned. They both used their shield, and Steve showed restraint. Yeah. John Walker did not. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was a very intentional moment of showing again how, like, we're bouncing around here, but I think it's so relevant to me, I when Zemo is making his point about how all super soldiers are going to become, you know, it's basically a version of like power corrupts. You know that you can't mm-hmm. be. He's sort of saying how like the Magneto thing of like someone who is basically a superior form of human. Of course, they're going to see things in supremacist ways. Mm-hmm. And I love that Zemo when someone brings up Steve Rogers is just like, oh, touche. I'll like, I know. acknowledge that that's an example. Yeah. That he that just thing. accepts it. He's like, that's true. However, yeah. this is not Steve. <laughs> right, right, right. He's like, that's an exception. It, you know, I, the expression like the the exception that proves the rule always drives me nuts. I'm like, that's that's not how rules work. But <laughs> but I think that's kind of like what he was, you know, he's like, yeah, okay. Uh, he also had a great line. I mean, like, I just want to say like Zemo was still really entertaining. 
Like, oh, the, the Turkish delight thing was great. Um, and in, in terms of justifying him bombing the UN summit, like, he did successfully get vengeance for Njobu, right? I mean, like, it's not like uh, T'Chaka hadn't, like, done some bad things. So, yeah. Um, but, which which Killmonger, I guess, didn't really get vengeance. Um, but anyway, um, what? Yeah, he had another <laughs> great line where, like, John Walker, like, said something that he disagreed with. He's like, no, 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 no. But I, but I understand. Like he was, yeah. I forget the exact line, but he was basically like, "I understand where you're coming from," but mm-hmm. no. Yeah, I, I continue to find Zemo to be one of the most interesting. I mean, I, I think he's just an incredibly charming, charismatic character. I think he's an incredibly attractive character, but also I feel like he's, he's kind of just like the person who, he's so cynical, but in a way where he, I feel like he really respects the different moral positions of the people who are there, even if he's like. He's kind of pointing out the way that so many of them are too idealistic, you know? And I feel like mm-hmm, he's very mm-hmm. much yes. wanting to be much more cynical about everything. Yeah. Although saying that taking the super soldier serum makes you a supremacist, I think, is its own sort of idealistic view of, like, what mm-hmm. it means to be human and right. whatever. But also when, um, yeah, when you know, when, when he's um, saying that and when he's like, would you take the serum or whatever, like... I don't know. I feel like that's awful rich coming for, from a baron. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. He already has power. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, he has was, all this privilege that others it, won't have. He exactly. And he's like, oh, but you're taking it. You know, it's 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 actually very reminiscent of Tony and Cap, um, you know, the real Captain America, or the, the first real Captain America. Maybe we'll get a second. Uh, mm-hmm. But in um, in the first Avengers movie. You know, where Tony's like, mm-hmm. everything special about you came out of a tube. And he's like, well, you're just a suit of armor. What do you have besides that? And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you know, I know guys with none of that who are worth 10 of you. Like, you know, where they're kind of, it's kind of like this guy from Brooklyn who, like, got given this power, right? Versus someone who was, like, born with this power. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was born with it looking down on the person who, like, used, you know... Uh, PEDs. Yeah, like there's some there's some episode of Batman. I think it was in the animated series. I'm not sure. I, I remember reading an article about it a, a year or two ago. But where basically like he's he's or maybe one of the movies. But basically like he's coming up against someone who has like very little sort of social or economic or any kind of power and does one of the kind of like eight you know in the DC universe. There's eight million ways to get power, right. <laughs> whatever it is. But he does one of those things. And Bruce is kind of, like, calling him out. Like, why would you do that? And I remember watching that response. is like, Bruce, look up. You don't need super soldier serum or animal DNA or whatever because you're rich. You Like, as he says in the, the, the Justice League movie, you know, that is his superpower. That's not his superpower. <laughs> oh, my God. It bothers me so much. I know. But... but his, his Bruce Wayne's economic and social power and privilege allow him to do a lot of the things that many other people couldn't do. That is true. It is that not is a true. superpower. We're also not going to make this the Zack Snyder discussion oh that God. we all wanted to Just be. don't get me started. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me let me just go on this super soldier question a little further. And, and Will, you asked a great question in chat, so I'll just put it to the two of you. Would you take the super soldier serum if you could? So, okay, so it sucks because there's, there's, oh man, do you guys ever watch <laughs> After Hours, the cracked series from like years ago? 
No, it's I saw the YouTube. movie, the Scorsese movie, but I haven't seen the show. No. <laughs> so um, they 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 bring up these kinds of questions a lot, and uh, the two frames of thought are always okay. Am I myself in my life with this situation, or am I in a world where this is commonplace? So, mm. from the Which frame of reference of superheroes and. Um, being in a marvel world i don't i don't i i don't think i would do it um mm. i if i have so i personally have a superhero complex <laughs> i try to help <laughs> i try to help everyone that i can but yeah. in a world where doing that is going to put very powerful antagonists uh me and oh, my yeah. family in very powerful antagonist sites um I don't know if my superhero complex would necessarily come to fruition in that world. Um, Interesting. I would be very. I would be less than a street level hero. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I I'd be more. Uh, I'd be more inclined to take a um, a serum that might give me bulletproof skin and be a, and and do that. Do the mm-hmm. Luke Cage thing, but I don't think I would do super super soldier serum. Now, my life. In this world, regular Will Freeland, banker by day, nerd twenty four seven. I think I would, <laughs> um, because I, well, one, I want to be in shape, but two, uh, I like to help people move, and being able to lift a couch by myself, um, so I don't need to wait for someone else to show up awesome (laughs) like be just i just think of it from the perspective of what do i do in my life that i would benefit from having super strength and there's a there there are a few things not the least of which is helping people move it's the whole reason why i want to own a truck instead of the Mazda three that i have like that from that frame of reference i would take a super soldier serum (laughs) what about you paul um, first of all, I wanted to say, I, I know about Will's uh, penchant for helping people move from listening to Hype is My Superpower. People should listen to Hype is My Superpower. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would want some medical data on potential side effects, safety, efficacy, etc. Uh, preferably a peered review study or three. But I, I like, I think calling it super soldier serum is like a little like pejorative. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's it's just um, very narrow focus, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the it thing. It implies the use. Yeah, like, exactly. It says, okay, well, you're going to be a soldier now. Right. Huh. It's like, here's a thing that will make you physically better than you are now, right? right? It will put you in peak physical condition. It might make you live longer, although maybe you need to get frozen for that. Unclear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and... Like, yeah, of course. Like, I, like what? Like, I, that's, um, what, I, I had a thing I wanted to read that I wrote before. Um, but like, no, oh, I don't know where I put it. Uh, but you know, the, the point just being like, yeah, I would like to be in peak physical condition. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't think taking a serum, if it didn't have a bunch of negative side effects, like, if it had negative side effects, like, it was rage-inducing, right? And, like, mm-hmm. it it um, it um it would make you, like, a shitty person who was in great physical condition. Like, no, pass. No yeah, thanks. Right. Hard. You pass. know? <laughs> but if, like, I were still me, 
but just be, like, a physically improved version of me? Like, yeah. And the show is clearly framing that as an ethical question, which, like, I don't think it is. Like, mm. you know, I, I think it's worth discussing, and I think it's interesting to think about. You know, and I, I mean, I hadn't even considered Will's point of, like, you know, if you take it and then you, like, become a target and that puts, like, your your family in in danger you know like yeah that's something to think about that's maybe more of an ethical consideration than like just like you know would i take something that made me physically better than i am now you know the right. idea that that then you'd be superior to other humans it's like whatever man like mm-hmm. i mean i think there are some ways that i'm like better than most people and i think there's some ways that i'm not better than most people and like i don't think that makes me better than people or worse than people like in in a in a value sense right it's like being good at a thing like punching or whatever it's like yeah that means you're better at punching it doesn't mean anything else you know so like taking super soldier serum it's like yeah you know like okay i can be a physically better version of who i am cool let's do it that's why i'm exercising again I think for me, there's a, there's a couple different things I would say there. Um, and I, I would just say from the beginning, I would very much not take the so, Super Soldier Serum, and I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the points you both are making are re- really help to kind of frame all this, and, and it's why I think it's such a great question. I think for me, like, Will, what you said about how, like, you have kind of a superhero thing, I, I definitely have that as well. Like, I used to say that, like, I'm, I'm someone who's fighting very hard not to be a Gryffindor. Um, because <laughs> um, what I mean by that is I feel like uh, and granted, I think this is true even more so for, like, a person with a lot of privilege. Like, someone who wants – I'm not saying this about you, Will, by any means. I'm saying, like, this is a general thing. I think a person who feels like they very much want to help people and they have a lot of power and privilege and ability to help people can do wonderful things. They can often also do an awful lot of harm. Absolutely. You know, in the attitude of, like, you know – I want to help people. I am a hammer. I am going to look for a nail that I can help someone nail down. A lot of things start looking like nails, you know? And like, yes. to me, the metaphor I often think of is like, you know, like the, you know, on the individual level, like the person who like sees people arguing and like busts in before they don't really fully understand what's going on and makes mm-hmm. things worse all the way up to like, you know, a nation whose foreign policy is all about like we want to help we want to sponsor democracy we want to and of course it's like because it's Hmm. super corrupted but even when it's not there's still an element of like you're trying to help and you're just making things worse like look at the peace corps you know i mean we now have all these studies about how the peace corps actually did like a lot more harm in some cases motivated entirely by americans and other people thinking like we've got all this power and privilege let's do something to help and I love, Paul, that you brought up the Turkish delight thing, because I think, um, have, have either of you read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Or do you know much about those books? I've only seen the movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm well, about so the like, same. <laughs> I, I read them when I was very young, but I've read a lot about them, because they're like, very yeah. big, and, you know, there's a lot of theology in them. And to me, the Turkish delight is, it's very much a part of the story as an element of temptation. Right. And I think it's very intentional that that's, that's a part of it here, and that to me... The, the way in which I think it becomes an ethical issue for most people, maybe not all, maybe not the Steve Rogers of the world um, or the even broader, um, is that once you are not – I feel like saying it's in peak physical condition is understating it a little bit. You are now in a state of physical condition wildly off the charts for human – for like the human range, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, Preternatural. If hum- like- yeah, if humans are like a 9 to 15, you're now like a strength 25. 
9 um, to 15. What a weird range. Sorry, let's not get yeah. hung up on that. <laughs> I'm just like, I just wanted to, like, 9 to 15. I, I was trying to go on the D&D scale of, like, we're, like, okay. below 9 is, like, very, unnor- like, below 7 is fairly Okay, unnormal. okay, but, okay, yeah, yeah. 15 is, <laughs> like, exceptional, but you got, like, a 21. You're, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> moving beyond my odd example. You're, like, Drizzt or something. I, if you're in a 20 I think decks. the problem is that it now invites a huge temptation. Especially in, like, remember, there's the MCU world where uh, we haven't heard... Um, I, get, I think Tom Holland has said these words, but certainly they're part of the Spider-Man idea. The whole concept of, like, with great power comes great responsibility. He hasn't said it I yet. I think for it's myself, beautiful. I would feel that. <laughs> I would start feeling like any time there was something happening around me that as a super person I could stop, but I didn't, then it's somewhat my fault. And like, I, mean, I don't really you. do kind of feel that right. way in some ways, but, like, I, to me, I think that's where it is. It's the question of, like, what is the temptation that it would offer you? Um, and maybe not everyone would feel that, but that's for me, true. that's why I definitely couldn't take it. Because I just wouldn't trust myself. Right? That's very true. I'd, I think that's fair. I'd get hurt. <laughs> yeah, <I'm also> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't know how to throw a punch. Like, I now have superhuperhuman strength and it'd probably break my thumb, you know? <laughs> right. So you much probably other break stuff your pinky, to... actually. But Yeah, so much yeah. other stuff has to come with super strength. That's, that's my problem with um, super speed. Is so many other things oh, yeah. have to come with the package of being able to run really fast. Right. No I mean, one, if you can't, it's, like, it's think more faster. than just that one speed. Yeah, if you yeah. can't react fast, if you can't see fast, if you, you know, if if, if your bones aren't strong enough to handle the right. quick twitch, like there's so right. much that nobody talks about. It's so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, if you're Quicksilver, you also have to have a Walkman. That can play something at such a fast speed that the music sounds normal to you. What? Sorry, that's one little bone of contention. Of <laughs> Horrible proof fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but well, so now damn. using that, let's talk about um, who the characters, what the characters do with it. What do you all think of um, Paul? I've heard your thoughts, but Will, especially from you, what's your take on kind of Zemo's whole idea of um, you know where people come from with superpowers and, and this idea of the supremacy and why he thinks no one should take it? I um. I'm not I see what he's saying. I'm not huge on it. Like mm-hmm. the, I guess the well okay. I, I guess his perspective is more those who seek power shouldn't have it. Not necessarily right. that everyone who is powered shouldn't have it. Right? Mm-hmm. So like you think of someone like most he well okay, so Tony, should he have a suit of armor or should he not? Should he have, should he have made one and continually tried to be better? Um, like, the or, his origins is he built it so he could escape captivity. But then he kept on going with it and he ran amok with it. Right. At what point does he no longer... Should he no longer have a suit of armor, if at all? If that's even a, a, like, like I, I would like to sit down with Zemo and ask him about all of the individuals. Mm. Like, does he? How does he feel about the fact that Sam has a flight suit that is bulletproof and all this other stuff that he got right. from being in the military? Like, he earned his way to it, as opposed right. to like, I want to go and get that. So, um. I guess my opinion of Zemo's stance would depend on how he felt about those that came across power. 
or those that naturally had power. Mm. Like the Luke Cages or the Jessica Jones, or yeah. the ones who didn't want, didn't choose this. Yeah. Like, how does he feel about Iron Fist? Yeah, Iron Fist is like the one out of those four, right? Who is like, I want that power. Yeah. Yeah. He sought the that, Iron Fist. Daredevil being the other obvious. And I think that framework that you're talking about also makes um, Steve Rogers brought into even more contrast because, like, I think we were talking about the. There's a great line in here about how power just makes. I forget. I think it's said by Battlestar Lamar, but some of the lines of like power just makes you more of who you are. Yes. Um, and <sighs> Steve was not someone who'd ever had power. You know, Steve was not someone who had learned to use power to control people. He was someone who'd always been the victim of bullying, and so when he gets power, for him, it's all about stopping the bullying. Yeah. Um, John Walker, I think, is pretty clearly a bully. Like, he's a bully who has some good motivations and is sympathetic in some ways, but he's, you know, it's that classic bully thing of, like, he expects to be able to win the fight, and he can't comprehend it when he doesn't win the fight. And so he wants more power. Well, he puts so much power in the shield. He puts so much emphasis on what the shield should be and what it should do to other people before he even has to throw a punch. Yeah. And I think kind of that's why Zemo says that Steve is the exception because, you know, I don't don't know if you know Steve's history or maybe everyone does because the legend of it. But just the idea of Steve came from such a different place of wanting the super of getting the serum compared to everybody else. Well, he didn't seek the serum. Right. He 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 was chosen because he applied. He tried to enlist four times in a row. (laughs) There's this 95 pound dude who was like, I want to go. You know, fight bullies. Yeah, he—he's—he's he's and... the heart of what America was looking for. It just America doesn't naturally produce that kind of heart, <laughs> right? Right. I do yeah, also I... think. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Oh, I want. I was. I'll just remove this from. This was one of my bullet points. Um, Lamar Hoskins quote. Um, I I think it just makes you more of what you are, which I very much believe. Like that's how I view power. You know. Mm-hmm. Like and the super what is the super soldier serum if not you know power, um, you know, like people always say power corrupts, but I never really bought that. Like I I think power reveals, mm. and Ooh. you know it. I I feel like people I do feel like people become you you have an opportunity to kind of express more of who you are because. You j- it's like it's like a multiplier kind of yeah. right and and so you know it it exposes Steve Rogers as who he always was but now he has the power to instead of grab a trash can lid and be like I can do this all day and like yeah you're gonna get your butt kicked Steve to like actually be able to stop bullies right whereas you know John Walker is is revealed to be a murderous turd and <laughs> you know um in you know the name ha- of flag. And stars in, and stripes. Yes, exactly. In the name of America. Um, I, like, just a, a couple notes on that. Like, uh, like there was a, a moment where, like, as soon as they introduced um, Battlestar, or, mm-hmm. you know, originally just as Lamar, like, I was like, how long is this guy going to survive in this show? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, of course they, like, killed the black guy who's not the lead. Like, just, like, yeah. of course, you know? And, like, I, uh, like, on the one hand, like, just, like, enough of that, right? But at the, at the same time, I I think there is something interesting in terms of, like, John Walker's apparent, like, going off the deep end 
is the result of his black friend dying. Um, but he still spent his life fighting to uphold, you know, the racist systems of American imperialism. Yeah. And that's what he's doing now. And I, I think it's sort of a little bit of a kind of a, I don't know, a light on the sort of like, oh, but I have a black friend as like, <laughs> therefore I can't be racist, you know, yeah. but it's like, but you can, you know, you still have to think about things and like, look, look at yourself. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, and finally, like, I see people using the word execution in that scene at the end. That's a murder. Yeah. The word is murder. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, like, not that it's not an execution, but an execution is a murder. And that's, that's also like, it's not like he has like full state authority necessarily. Like when he says, um, to the to the Dora, like like you, you know, you don't have jurisdiction here. It's like, what? and you do, do? You? like yeah. what? You're in you're in Latvia, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what's going on? But yeah, I don't know. I just um, that that when when people use words that get away from what like really what happened, right? Yeah. Like self defense. He murdered someone who was at that point defenseless. Like, like to me, like just, what 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 Carly did to the people in the building was murder. What Carly did to Lamar was in a fight, and to me, that's a fundamentally yeah. Different that's thing. manslaughter. It's the difference yeah. between murder and manslaughter. And the bomb thing is like probably murder two, but it's mass murder two. Whereas right. this was this is just murder one, or maybe it's murder two. Whatever. Anyway, but it's murder. It's not manslaughter. It's not an execution either. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a, there's no trial. There's a, he's just like I'm going to kill this guy now because right. I want to. When I right. Want to oh my gosh. Sorry. Go the the um the fact that they showed him afterwards not regretting his actions was huge. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah, like, like he looks like vindicated. And, right. Yeah. Like, oh, breathing yeah, hard, looking at his work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That was huge. Yeah. I thought Super I thought huge. he was going to be like, holy shit, what have I done? But no. Right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I I know Paul uh, did not like the show and stopped watching, but Will, have you watched The Boys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did you get a very strong Homelander vibe there? Where like, especially that's the stories where Homelander is just like, he's done the most brutal things, but he's utterly convinced he did it for the right reasons. And then he's just baffled why the people watching don't agree. I see what you're saying, but I think Homelander is a very, is an extreme of... Of definitely what what walker's doing um mm-hmm. but uh i can i can see the parallels yeah yeah and and paul going back to what you're saying especially about the the thing about lamar dying yeah i had so many mixed feelings about that and i had some of the same predictions when when we first met him and there's mentioned comments that were uh posted in the mcu chat about like could we describe lamar as having been fridged and oh i i think yeah. the term fridging is something that specifically re- re- should be regarded in terms of gender terms i don't know if there's an an equivalent term here but i i do think there's something really fucked up about it being like the black the black sidekick is the one who has to die i think that the show is trying to be very intentional about that i don't know if that makes it better or not but right one thing i that uh, uh, a couple writers i saw uh pointed out that i thought was so powerful was you know on the one hand they're showing walker is having like the black sp- the the spouses of color the black best friend he went to an hcbu a historically black college uh, or university um, like he's so connected in that world, 
And then in the last episode, when he wanted to get Sam's attention, right after Sam has dealt with, like, harassing police, mm-hmm. he does it by turning on a police siren. Yeah. Like, he has no concept of why that would be, like, a, ah. like, immediate trauma trigger kind of horrible situation for someone like Sam. Yeah. Oh, and to me, that man. really got into, like, just the utter ignorance, like, the lack of empathy there of, like, what that situation would be like for someone who doesn't look like Walker. Mm-hmm. So I will say, uh, killing Lamar, uh, I don't see it as killing the black character mm-hmm. only because I think they wanted to kill the sidekick Yeah, and Battlestar is a black character in the comics. Like right. it, it's, it's two different facts. I don't think they're blended together to make a statement or anything. That makes sense. That makes sense. In terms of like fridging or whatever, if you if you want to reserve that term, but find a, an equivalent, um, I I think it is for me it falls under the category of character death that happens to create um, an impact on another character, right? Like, like where that's the he purpose got, he of got the character Coulson. death, right? Yes, yes, exactly. He got he got jost, really. That's like like Whedon's always like killing someone off to like well, but Colson that's perfect. That's like that's exactly the one, right? Like Quicksilver wasn't killed off like to create, you know, so that then we'd get WandaVision like 9 years later or whatever. Like uh you know, it, maybe it wasn't 9 years. But um Colson was it was like to bring the team together, right? And um it, I don't know. It's like, I, I want characters to have an arc that is affected by what happens around them. Right. But, like, I don't want this feeling like they were like, okay, we need to get from point A to point B. All right, how are we going to do that? Oh, we'll kill off this character. And the the fact that it also was one of these, oh, suddenly comic book violence is fatal moments you know, yeah. which I I do think like Carly not being experienced enough to know how to hold back is like brilliant headcanon, right? But, but like, that's I, not you know, what's gonna. That's not how they're gonna use it, right? Exactly. She's gonna, it's she's like gonna it's, own her actions and be like, "That's the reality of what we have to do." Right. Yeah, yeah. And that sucks. I I really. I, oh man, like uh, if they pulled more from the nuanced writing of the first two episodes and gave this a like an eight episode arc i think mm-hmm. they could have done that like mm-hmm. carly carly yeah, killing agree. in episode three was felt very much like danny's uh raid in season eight on game of thrones like yeah. you don't see her turn on screen and that's why it's so off-putting and mm-hmm. her kill like they did what they could, I feel like, when she re- she just ran into the room, she lets out a, a a very loud scream. Like, she's clearly emotional and not in control. And the only other thing they could have done is, like, give an audio cue that his ribs cracked or broke when she punched him. Right. But, like... Right. But... And and the the weight of the scene afterwards when we see literally the entire all of the fighting stop to go and sort of mourn 
um, Lamar's death, that would have been the time for Carly to be like, I need to control my powers. I need yeah. to, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Like any of that, but they, mm-hmm. they're not going to because right. she's now over the last episode and a half, she's been casted as this person that is willing to do anything to get her goal. Yeah. Right. That's and I just, think, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, um, I saw Civil War pretty recently, and I think my memory is that when Steve and Bucky are fighting the Berlin cops because the cops are coming to get them, that Steve at one point is kind of says to Bucky to like pull your punches a little bit, like he's yes. kind of like yes. And so okay, so I think that's a nice reminder of like yeah that that Steve knows how to use how to kind of like only punch at like what it you know forty percent or seventy percent or whatever it is to be able to like get the Berlin cops out of their way without necessarily like killing every human being right. who is the super soldier who he punches. Right. And that Bucky has trouble with that. And Bucky has to like be reminded of that. Bucky doesn't so that have would control also of his emotions. Further get into this idea that maybe yeah. Carly didn't know how to do that yet or was so in the heat of the moment that she didn't think to do it. But you're right. I feel like we need more time to, yeah. to delve into that. Which like, you know, it kind of to pull from all of the canon that Steve's been in, he is oh he's always calm <laughs> when he's fighting. Yeah. Like you know, it shows kind of. And again, this is more headcanon because it's not openly talked about. But like, he has to keep his cool. He has learned that he has to keep his cool, and he clearly goes out of his way to make sure that he's his head is always in the game. Heads right. up. If you do, eyes sharp whatever he, whatever he says but he's always he's always keeps his cool the only two times that it looks like he's let himself go is when he's trying to hold back thanos in infinity war and when he's about to smash tony he's like yeah. in that last fight in civil war he's losing more and more control because he just watched Bucky get his arm shot off. <laughs> yeah. and, and at the very final moments when it counted, he pulled himself back. Yeah. And so and I think it, it would I be think the it's connection great. you made. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, you know, it, I, I fully accept that it's headcanon, but like, that's basically, that's, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what's happening. Yeah. That's what we right. see happen. No, I, I think I agree with you. And I think that's kind of, you pointed out at the beginning that the the similarity of the shot between Cap almost hitting Tony with his shield and then John Walker doing that, I think, is very intentional because exactly that. It's that in that moment, Cap could stop himself because in, in both cases, their best friend slash sidekick is, has been either killed or has been almost killed, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great connection. Um, if I can jump to a different topic for a bit, and this is partially just a fun connection, but also I think there's kind of an interesting question to explore here. You talked about um, uh, Bucky getting his arm shot off. Um, I loved okay. so much the Dora Milaje being able to just like push a button and have Bucky's arm <laughs> right? fall off. And yeah. Sam's just like, did you know that he could do that? No. <laughs> and and uh, Will, I don't know if you're a DC fan, but but to Paul especially, and Will, if you you also are, I got a strong Amanda Waller vibe in that moment. In that like, or even like Batman, that element of like any hero that's out there. You're always going to have a plan ready in case that person has to be taken down. And oh, the idea the that they would have like built into this Wakandan uh, vibranium arm they gave him the ability that only they knew to disarm him, literally, <laughs> literally. If, if they had to, it just to me felt like such an ama- – not 
Suicide Squad movie, like, put a bomb in their right. head. But, like, the DC Universe comics, Amanda Waller, who always has a plan for everybody. Did you kind of get a similar feel there? How defeated he was. The look on his face of just, like, why? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I kind of I, wish... Uh... Co- I wish Tony was there because there would be so many jokes about like you know oh, just, you can't need a hand function the way you want <laughs> yeah. to. Oh, but yeah, what would you think of the? Is there an Amanda Waller connection there? Um, I, I I'm more of a kind of Batman vibe for me, but yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, but I mean they're they're on a similar wavelength with different different kind of goals to an extent, you know, mm-hmm. just in terms of but like because. You know, Amanda Waller would just have a bomb in his head and it would blow up. You know, Batman would be like, I'm going to disable the suit, you know, and and you're going to have to stop using it. Yeah. Like, like, are you done now? (laughs) The little white wolf cub. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. It was so good. (laughs) Especially because there's been a lot of talk online about how, like, the whole white wolf idea and, like, some people have been putting out this idea that, like... Uh, Bucky could become the next Black Panther what? or even the next King of Wakanda. And I, I just no. kind of love that, like, yes, they have a respect for him, but also they can, like, just completely, you know, unhinge him. Yeah, with yeah. They They'll keep him in check. <laughs> yeah. So another thing I thought was had a lot to be discussed was, you know, at one point they talk about the idea of Carly becoming Captain America. And they're uh. talking about, like, how, like, um, you know, Steve Rogers was so good and pure. And she says, one of my favorite lines Today's heroes don't have their luxury of get, keeping their hands clean. What would you all think of that and the kind of argument she's making there? That's some Punisher shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I don't. But people are always saying, "Oh, the the world's more complicated now. Like you can't. What worked before doesn't work now. Like I don't know. I just never buy it. Like, like yeah, some things. Okay, there weren't like nuclear weapons in like you know the nineteen teens or early forties. Like there are things that are different in the world. But like the idea that things like weren't really complicated before too. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I feel like statements like that often are like a misunderstanding of the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think- <laughs> like. I, I think in this show it was very intentional because the first thing I thought of is we keep talking about how Cap was like fighting in this morally simpler time and like he kept mm-hmm. his hands clean. Cap was fighting for the army that was doing what it did to Isaiah and other black super soldiers, you know? And mm-hmm. I think it, to me it's very intentional that we keep referencing Cap as this model of the perfect Captain America while also bringing up all the terrible things that the fun, the country – cap was fighting for was doing at the time you know so exactly. I, I i definitely got the same impression you did paul and i think to me i think that the writers being somewhat intentional of like this idea that people could keep their hands clean was kind of a myth right absolutely it's, it's not it's not realistic <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah at, at the same time like i think it's also unreasonable to think there's no like that, like, there's only one way of going about things, right. you know? Um, like, when the scene between Sam and Carly was was one of my favorite scenes, which is one of the reasons that I hated the episode so much, because <laughs> it kept getting interrupted by, like, and, you know, um, Captain Doofus. Yeah, yeah and, and, like, like when he goes in his Falcon outfit, it's like, you know that they can track you, right? 
Like, and I honestly, I actually didn't even know what was going on. Like, were they in a different building and then they went to a different building? I found that all like very confusing. But um, to get back to the the point, like the conversation between them was great. And I thought mirrored a lot of, um, you know, conversations or arguments or discussions that people have about, you know, how to move forward with different causes, you know, where Sam's like, look, I, I get what you're trying to do. And like, I want to do that too, but I don't like how you're going about doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just a very common thing. It's like, personally, I don't go around and like free animals from confinement, but like some people do and they're called terrorists and like, Actually, I, I'm fine with... This is a bad example. I think what they do is fine. Um, but, <laughs> like, there could be more extreme examples. And But the, like the if, point if is, like... they kill the security guard at an animal factory as part of that, that would be where you're like, I'm not... I don't not wild that they killed the security guard, but I'm glad the animals were freed. Is that maybe yeah, a better like, example? Yeah, or, or, like, if you just went and, like, you know, murdered a bunch of, like, factory farmers. Like, like... Uh. <laughs> um, like... The point to me would be like, look, I can, I see the goal you're going for, which isn't like for those people to be dead. It's to dismantle this system. I don't think the way you're going about doing this is going to work. And like, that's actually maybe a larger reason that I wouldn't even think about doing anything like that than, um, than like the sort of moral quandary. I mean, a lot of groups that are regarded as terrorists, like, are in their own eyes like freedom fighters, right? Oh, yeah. They're mm-hmm. almost inevitable, almost always like a group of people who are trying to end what they view as oppression. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Um, you know, a lot of the the we can look at the means and be like, well, those are horrible ways to go about that. And some of them, it's like you know, like white supremacist terrorism. Like, well, that's just that. I mean, that's just a horrible end and a horrible means right but like you know it it, a lot of things i think it does come down to like you know what are you trying to do but then recognizing there's different ways of going about that and like if something can be done through non-violence or you know without violence that's always gonna be my first choice like that's my goal for like where the world ends up is like to have a non-violent world and I'm skeptical about whether or not you can achieve that through violence. But, like, at the same time, I understand that sometimes throughout history, like, you know, like, slavery was ended through a war, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. sometimes it's violence that does... Violence has a tendency to change things. But whether it changes them... um like enough or irrevocably or in a way that we actually end up with the world that we're really happy with. I, d- I don't know. Right. Huh. I, I feel like every time I talk about killing a lot of people, I, nobody really wants to say anything <laughs> after a while. <laughs> I, I, want, I, I can speak a lot on this, but I want to let Will jump in if you wanted to. Oh no, keep going. Okay. I, I think there's a, a couple of really interesting things you're saying there, Paul. One is, uh, it's funny because this t- conversation also came up a bit on the MCU ch- cast, and someone else brought up this example, which is what I was thinking of. I'm currently reading a, a biography of Nelson Mandela, and like mm-hmm. I grew up at a time when Nelson Mandela was held up as like the epitome of nonviolent protest, you know, and it, that South African apartheid had been overthrown through like the nonviolent protests. 
much later I realized that he spent 20 years of his career blowing up, you know, buildings and institutions in South Africa as a way of fighting apartheid. And <laughs> a lot of people called him a terrorist. And by some definitions, he would have been. I think by most, if you're a moral person, you look at him and go, this man's a freedom fighter. And especially the situation you talked about where, you know, it's violence when nonviolent means have been exhausted. Right. And I, and I think to me, and I think the show is exploring this in an interesting way, the word terrorist is thrown around so quickly and so easily by, and I think I think the there is a thing called terrorism and it's legitimate and it's awful and it's like a, definitely a term we should use. But I also think like there's people out there calling like Black Lives Matter activists terrorists. There are people who call right. like you know anyone doing something that they don't agree with terrorist. Um, well, Carly would I, call it revolutionary. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, yeah. it's such a different thing, and it's it's the. You know, um, who gets to who gets to make the decision about who else is a terrorist? And Carly, I think it's such an interesting it's such an interesting like character because she's so much on the line. You know, because like what you're saying, Paul, about like snapping your fingers and making all ICE agents disappear. I I think for me, I couldn't go there because I I definitely am of the belief of like institutions are awful and evil, and I judge people for joining those institutions. But I also still know they're people. And I also know, like, how many people join something like ICE because they're in a dead-end situation that's the only way to get a job, you know, or because they've been taught in a way that it's hard for them to see, like, the evil that ICE is doing. I, I can't believe I'm on here morally justifying ICE agents. That's so, not so, what to do. So what about just, like, snapping the directors out and be like, if somebody else takes that position, you're going to oh get God. it. Oh, 100%. I mean, like... Um, <laughs> Superman is allowed to kill Lex Luthor when Lex Luthor's president. You know, like that's 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 right, a moral right. line we've already discussed. Any <laughs> FBI agents listening on the call, this is one hundred percent hypothetical. Cops <laughs> literally showed up to my door while we were discussing that. <laughs> Such a great horrible moment. That was a yeah. No, oh yeah, Will. Helpful. I should tell you by being on this uh, podcast, you might be on a watch list now. Have fun. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> thanks. Appreciate that. But yeah, but I, I'll I just have that... my white wife open the door all the time now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There you go. Smart move. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's just... It, it's to me, I think it's the thing that... You're right. That some of this felt more contrived. But what they're doing with characters like Carly is to me just so interesting. Um, because it's, I don't know where I stand with her yet. You know, I am... You know, Sam says to her... She says, like, I, I kill those people to make the world a better place. And he says, it's not a better place if you're killing people. It's just different. Yeah. Sam's killed right. people. Sam killed yeah. a whole bunch of... Shield agents who were made who were Hydra agents to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And in, in episode one of this series, he killed a bunch of people. Right, right. With, because the military told him to, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and and maybe that's his his own guilt about it and stuff. But I definitely feel like there's a lot of moral self righteousness here, and some of it's I think just not consistent writing, but some of it I think is intentional of characters who are very willing to judge others, even though they've never really judged themselves in the same way. Yeah. And, and I will say, to me, that's one thing that I found very... I agree with you that I'm not quite on the super soldiers or, by definition, supremacist. But I found something very admirable about Zemo in this episode because I think a lot of times the way heroes get kind of morally compromised is when they start saying, like, well, I can do this thing that I totally disagree with because it'll give me the power to stop it. And right. I think a lot of villains in Zemo's position would have said, like, I want to end all super soldiers, and the only way to do that is for me to become a super soldier. 
And the fact that he's like, no, this is my principle. I'm not – I'll compromise a lot of others, but I won't compromise this. I, I find that admirable in a way, even if a lot of his stuff I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Sam said no so quickly? Um, because of his experience with, um, with, uh, um, oh, geez. With Isaiah. Isaiah. With Isaiah. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I I think it's completely turned him off from Mm -hmm. the idea of a super soldier, especially a black super soldier. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, like, I, we don't know quite, which is annoying to me. Feige, Feige, please make the daredevil MCU, uh, sorry. Feige, please make the Netflix MCU 100% canon, but, like, whether or not... can't. (laughs) Well, whether or not Falcon (laughs) is aware of what happened to Luke Cage, like, you know, so much of Luke Cage's story is about the black man getting the power and getting treated so differently than a white man who would. Right. And I do think that's part of why it is for Sam, as well as also the Isaiah. Like, you know, it's kind of the whole, like, do you... How do we use science that came about through, like, Nazi eugenics or something like that? Um... So yeah, yeah. I, can, I can definitely see where it's going. But, but also, he does, it's kind of the Tony Stark thing. Like, it, Falcon isn't just Lamar punching people. Falcon has, right. he has a superpower. He's it's got just a super technology suit. instead of chemistry. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a powered person, not physically in his own body, but with his, you know, um, with his whole getup. Like, right. you know, I mean, he, he, he fought against Thanos and company. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I guess there are people in the Wakandan army who are just like, yeah, we're, you know, but like they, they had vibranium weapons, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Wakandan tech at least. kind of sets them apart. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the tech was exactly for sure. You know, it wasn't like just some, some randos. So do you see in the next two episodes, do you see this ending with Carly alive? I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I I think maybe I think there's a reasonable chance that she could and then become some like long-term character. Mm-hmm. I I think there's a reasonable chance that she doesn't and like like John Walker kills her and mm-hmm. then like they arrest John Walker or something like that. I just I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't want to see I, I don't know the <laughs> I have a connotation with Flag Smashers to the Flag Smasher from the comics, and he's mm. such a, like, X-list villain that, like, right. uh, they've, they've taken his concept, because he's always just tossed aside. They've taken his concept and made it so interesting and could be such a big part of the MCU going forward that if Carly does die, I do not want her cause or what this entire like story plot is going towards to die. Yeah. I, I yeah, think I definitely sure. agree with that. I think it's I, so I really important. like when Spider-Man homecoming dealt a little bit with the post snap stuff, I was glad, but I felt like there was so much more to do far from, home. I really hope yeah. this is not like the only, like that after this, we're like, okay, now everything's back to normal. Right. I, and in terms of Carly possible dying, I, I think there's three options that I could see. One of which I would be very unhappy with. The other two I think I could be okay with. Uh, one more, than, much more than the other. I think if Carly is just killed by someone else in battle, I, I will find that very unsatisfying. Yeah. I like I get why it could happen, but I think she's such a good character that she kind of deserves better than that. I think 
I hadn't even thought of it to this moment, but I uh, I love the idea that you're talking about, about she gets to live on as a character. And the idea that I had is I want her to team up with Sharon Carter in some way. Like, because mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where Sharon Carter stands, but I think clearly she's into some stuff that is, I don't quite buy her as actually being the power broker, but I think she, she can control satellites. Like she has she, yeah, some fingers in some satellite. pies. And I kind of like the idea of her and Carly kind of connecting in some way, because I feel like, you know, they both have, you know, a lot of feelings about the power broker and they're both kind of like on the run, but trying to do their own thing. But, but, but okay, being somewhat morally compromised. The other thing that I think could be a very real possibility, which I, I, I would not like as much, but I'd be okay if she has to die, if it's this way, is I think she could do something where like she sacrifices herself to, to stop Walker or something like that, where, because I do think that we're starting her down a road of her maybe She's at the point where I feel like she's fighting hard not to question the thing she's doing, but a part of her conscience is getting at her. And so I could see her going and not, I don't want it to be a like, oh, I feel so terrible for those people. I must redeem myself by blowing myself up to do some good. But that there being some kind of an arc of like, like Paul, when you were talking about the whole question about can you do good things through violent means? I think you can, but I think it's hard. But I, the example that always comes to me is V for Vendetta. Where, like, mm-hmm. our, right. our main character, V, uses violence to create a situation in which a nonviolent revolution can take place. Right. And I could see Carly, like, coming to a point where she's like, our group has done what it can, but now we need to end so that we can have, like, nonviolence and not just be about one group oppressing mm-hmm. another. Um, but, yeah, but I, I think any of those, I think it's a great question, Will, and I think any of those are possible. Uh, I, she's a, oh, go ahead. No, continue. I, I was going to change the subject, so let's keep talking oh. about Carly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carly's a character that if she were the character that like I want her to be, she'd be one of my favorite characters. Mm. And, I, and I would feel represented in the MCU in a way that I don't. Um, it... I, I feel like what I... am complaining about this episode and the one before in terms of feeling like the turns that they're taking with her character feel it just doesn't feel really organic to me Mm -hmm. and i feel like really in two episodes we're gonna get something resembling a satisfying conclusion to this arc like how what what would that look like you know, and the thing is that, like, okay, this could be season one. I think it's unclear whether all these shows are, like, miniseries or if this is season one and there'll be a season two. Um, but it's not, like, a regular show that has one season, two season, three season, more, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> when season one's over, then there's going to be a bunch of other movies that take place in the same right. world. And I feel like this show is changing that world. It's illuminating that world. And, you know, it's like the fact that it's so much about, it's about this global organization, although it feels very small. Like when they were first talking about it, I thought it was this huge group of people. But it's like, oh, it's eight people and now it's six people. But there's like other people with them who aren't super soldiers, a little unclear exactly who they are like if it's this global movement then 
you know, it should reverberate throughout, like, all the other movies. I feel like it probably won't. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will. I don't know. The impression I got was that they're kind of like Antifa. In that, like, there's some people who are kind of officially connected to some degree of leadership. But it's also a lot of just, like, whoever shows up for the protest. And that other people can, like, Mm -hmm. go do their own flag smasher. Kind of like, maybe a combination of, like, Antifa and Anonymous. Yeah, I was gonna say anonymous too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and man. speaking of V for Vendetta, uh, <laughs> but like it, it, it feels to me like, um, I, I get that. It's just I feel like the picture we've seen of it is too small to to really feel that. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, the sort of like John Walker and Lamar Hoskins like going off and trying to do a thing. And, like, what is the rest of the U.S. government or military or anyone else in the world doing about any of this? Yes. It, it, like, you know, it feels kind of, like, so small to me, despite the fact that what they're talking about and dealing with is so large. So it's this conflict. I have no idea how that's going to resolve in the last two episodes. Yeah, and the, well, the fact that the Flag Smashers we see now are very different from the covert anonymous type flag smasher that we saw in the first episode mm-hmm. yeah so, one thing i will say oh, sorry go ahead no that's fine just, i didn't have anything to go <laughs> <laughs> one thing i will say and yeah i mean we have to judge the show as it is and this isn't to like excuse things but i think it may it it might help explain part of why it feels disjointed is we don't know the full story but from what i understand the original version of the story the big problem was an illness that was spreading. And right. that, given the world situation, they decided to change that story fairly dramatically. And part of what that also meant was they are now doing a lot of reshoots during this last year. Oh, interesting. During when it may have been a lot harder, A, to get some of the actors back, but also just to do... I mean, there's two elderly actors... To make actor- a coherent story. There's two elderly actors, the, the, the Japanese older man and Isaiah who are not appearing in the way I would want to. I don't know if that's a factor, but but even just more importantly, like the limits on what kind of shoots you could do of like, can you do big scenes in cities versus you have to do all this? Like, yeah. like they're all on the right. run all the time instead of like dealing with the issues in Baltimore and in, you know, New Orleans and right. stuff. So I, I do wonder if maybe that's a part of the disjointedness and especially why episodes one and two feel so different from the others. Um, you know, we still have to judge the show we get. So I don't want to, that's like, doesn't make it all better but that may help to explain part of what happened yeah that's a good point yeah i i think that's very likely you know i've never heard the the phrase or the word reshoots combined with uh a product that i didn't have issues with yeah like (laughs) every time there's reshoots involved it's like it means that something didn't go the way they wanted or they decided to change something late in the production process and i feel like what you end up with maybe it's better than it would have ended up without the reshoots uh but it definitely does not have things just don't end up having a level of coherence to me um yeah and uh, yeah like if shooting during a pandemic like should you even be doing it i don't know that's a whole separate question but like if you're gonna do it obviously you can't do everything the same way you were doing before so there's it's definitely understandable you know and like if they just couldn't get the actors who play um yori and isaiah like on set as much like okay i understand that it sucks you know like 
really want more scenes with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> but like hoping like episode five, probably six, you know, it's probably going to be episode six and like the Denouma, like after the climax, it'll be like, there'll be like a two minute scene or I something. I don't want it to be. I really don't Me want either. it to be. Me either. Like, I just want to watch that show. Six is not. You know, that's the. I mean, I think we are going to get a lot more of Isaiah and especially his grandson, at least. So, like, but I think you're right. Like, the the, the Bucky's friend, I don't know if we're going to see much more of. Yeah. You already. Yeah. Uh, Will, you had a different topic you wanted to take us into? Um. Well, it was more. I've I've been reminiscing about, you know, the first two episodes compared to the third and fourth. And, um,. We we had mentioned, you know, the scale and the story that we're doing in in this that that it's become is so big. Do you guys did you guys watch the Agent Carter seasons? Yes. And like each each season was only like six episodes or eight episodes or whatever. But those were like one mission. You know, one right. one single little plot line. These mm-hmm. these are so much bigger. I don't know why they're convinced that they can tell an acceptable story <laughs> yeah. uh, in just right. six episodes. It's just, it's it's mind-blowing to me. I feel like they're trying to do it like it's a long movie, like maybe a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. But like <laughs> in terms of length and in terms of like the episodes going together into being like one coherent thing. Right. But, but, it, but you're right. Like the story's just too big. I think the story's just too big. When I heard it was six episodes, I was actually really happy about that because I thought, oh, they can tell like a nice kind of tight story. A buddy cop mission. Know? And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, it's, there aren't a ton of characters, but the ideas at play, the amount that they're traveling, like it feels it feels bigger than what we're seeing, it and is. I, I yeah. do feel like that's a result of, um, you know, just having, you know, some, maybe some constraints of production and also just, you know, number of episodes. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's really true. But yeah, I do, I miss Torres. Like, I feel like... Yeah, um, what happened to him? I feel like oh, Sharon, yeah. Sharon Carter has basically replaced Torres, which is annoying. Right. Um, but, because, uh, you know, Torres in the comics becomes the next Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that's kind of where that was going to go, but then they've just pretty much dropped him after the second episode. Yeah. Um, so, is he like uh, in the hospital or something? Cause he got beat up by a super soldier. Is that the explanation? Um, is there an explanation? Like, no, I feel like there was a one or one line throwaway. Somewhere. He, well, he went and got some Intel for Sam and then that was the last we saw of him. Like it was a phone call. Right, he was a voice I mean, he, on the phone. That was but it. he he did get stomped. He right? did get destroyed by um, the flag smasher in the right. in the first episode. But he mm-hmm. still had scenes after that. But also, he was the liaison between the military and Sam. Yeah, and Sam has right. now gone pretty far away from partnering with the military. That's true. So that's, like, true. Yeah. that's true. So the one last thing I wanted to co- comment on, and I don't know how much it, t- <laughs> it made me roll like, "Yep, that's a great line." Totally agree. But I want to see if, we, if there's any discussion about it. Um, to me, one of the most searing moments that just like captured so much of what I think is going on in the show that I love is, uh, especially with Sam and his family, is when Carly is talking to Sam's sister, Sarah, which I think it also like that, that's another place where like, I do believe Carly when she says to Sam, like, I would never actually hurt your family, but the fact she's willing to mm-hmm. threaten them is already kind of a, like, oh, you're, you're, you're dancing with some darkness there. Yeah. But when, um, she's asking him, her about Captain America 
and and all that. And, and she's kind of like, you know, you're Captain America. And Sarah says, my world doesn't matter to America, so why should I care about its mascot? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that was <laughs> such a good line. And like, I just, look, yeah. what did you guys think of that, that whole interaction? Well, it's like they were listening to our conversation last week. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a great line, and it... I, I don't have that much to add. Yeah. But, like, word. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it does it does bring up, uh, well, how is she going to feel if and when Sam takes the shield back? It's a, it's a really good question. Yeah. If the, if that's how, I mean, she, because this is how she feels in private, so it, you're more inclined yeah. to think this is how she actually feels. So, you know, if and when Sam becomes the next Captain America... One, you you have all this hashtag not my cap, and and it's a black super, uh, not super soldier, but a black Captain America. How how is this how is this going to drive an even bigger wedge between the two of them? Yeah, I I think there may be a way in which she sees it very differently, and uh, in that, like I don't think Steve was ever America's mascot. He like he's not since like nineteen forty three. You know, okay. he sort of started uh, out. Right, right, right. I, once he, once I'm he not on video, but I tilted my head as soon as he said that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was literally America's mascot. Right. In the beginning. And so to me, I want and you know, then it gets into like questions of like how much did did Steve, t- how much did Sam tell Sarah about what Steve was like. But it's really, I, I, to me, part of what I maybe got out of that was like that there, there's kind of a li- line of lineage of like Steve to Sam where Captain America has become kind of its own thing. But that very clearly when they said the like, you know, this is America's hero again, they're mm. with John Walker, they're bringing Cap back as like this is the mascot of America. Yeah. And her line is very clear. It's like it, it's the mascot of white America. You know, it's the mascot of an right. America that's never cared about me and my family and my world. He's right. a walking USO show now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is what made me kind of surprised that he's actually involved in all this so much. Right. Like, doesn't he have like appearances? Well, no, he, he he works for slash with the GRC as, okay. I mean, that's what we're led to believe from last episode. They do the GRC commercial and the very next scene is oh, a right. GRC vehicle and Cap is the first one out. Right. I feel like that's what's missing is actually knowing at all what's going on with the GRC. Mm-hmm. Like, they're repatriating people, which I think means they're actually kicking them out of countries that they now live in. I, I think it's a polite might word have for lived in for the last five years. Yeah, exactly. So so they are ICE, basically. They're like an international, you know, oh no, you go here, you go here. Like, and they have something to do with, like, resources being reapportioned or whatever. Like, that sounds like a really large group i i feel like what what i'm missing from it is seeing them do any of that (laughs) you know seeing the organization do what what they're saying they're doing or what carly's saying they're doing yeah right like we don't see any of that and like i really want to see it because then i can actually have an opinion like i mean i have an opinion then i can have a more informed opinion you know and yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think that's really true. It would be great to get more of their story. 
I mean, like, I'm sure I'm against their what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like I, I want to see it, you know? Yeah. I want to see them take some family and be like, no, you don't get to live here anymore. We're moving <laughs> you there. Right. Or, like, be like, oh, yeah, we're going to feed these people because whatever, you know? Like... Like show me both sides of, of what they're doing mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, give me a give me a face to think about getting blown up or not. Punch, yeah. <laughs> um can I complain for one second? Uh how the hell did Carly get her number? And know where she lives and the name oh, of Oh yeah, kids? yeah, yeah. I mean I think yeah. you're supposed to think that Carly is super connected. And I, I... How, like there's <laughs> well, I mean, Carly was at one point close enough to the power broker that she could steal the serums. Sure. And we still don't know who the power broker is, but we've heard the idea in a bunch of places that Carly might be the power broker's daughter. Um, right. You know, or some other close connection. So I, I guess I took it as, you know, uh, Sharon Carter can also order satellites to focus on the things she wants them to focus on. So I feel like there's a lot of people who have powers that are not being explained. I guess. That felt very Amanda Waller to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I know all your secrets. But, yeah, like, I, I would like them to show us that a little bit more. Like, yeah. up until this point, it doesn't feel like she has necessarily those kinds of resources. Right. But it does, like, the, the flag smasher that you see in the first episode definitely seems like that you know where they've got they've got hidden geotags um yeah and like a black a a dark web um uh uh, forum to go and coordinate these things across the globe i get that and and if if there was more of that then sure but even if it's just like 10 seconds of a guy at a computer being like here you go (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> just give me something i don't know it it, it felt un, unearned <laughs> yeah that's fair that's definitely fair uh we're almost at the one minute uh 90 minute mark uh paul, uh, paul i think we still have about 14 more of your bullet points though or have we covered most no. of them no i've deleted almost all of them the one i have left is about the myth of overpopulation but i think we could deal with that in a future episode mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Like, maybe if there's one that's a little lighter on the, I don't know, murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think um, you were not on the episode. Were you on the episode we did about Endgame? No. Or was that a Jacob episode? I was not, but I have a lot to say about Infinity War and Endgame that I haven't really said that much. I guess it was more on Infinity War, but yeah, we definitely did a whole thing on the problems of, uh, that, that overpopulation is a myth and Malthus was proved wrong 300 years ago 200 years ago yeah and and that like having it be a central plot point in your whole universe is like actually i think highly problematic and reinforces that view Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's not how many people there are it's how resources are utilized and there's there's so much to say about it uh go check out that episode for people who are interested i wasn't on it so you won't have to hear me complain about how i actually hated infinity war and it's like <laughs> the only marvel movie that i hated but although it has again like this episode it has some just brilliant moments yeah um which is what made makes it frustrating for me i will remind you that you live in a world in which thor 2 exists in terms of marvel movies you hated but that's fair though. Yeah, that's got darcy in it <laughs> that's fair that's fair. <laughs> i don't hate thor 2 
I don't think it's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, but, man. Like, Thor. It's not based on a premise that I'm just like, it's so bad. what are you doing? I was so, like, Thor was the one excuse to have a mainly all-white cast. Like, these are Norse gods. <laughs> and you ha- you feel like you have to have a black god and you made him the bouncer of Asgard. Oh. <laughs> just <laughs> the bouncer of Asgard. <laughs> Wait, you're you're assuming I, I, you're talking about Heimdall. Heimdall, yes, yeah. Well, and like, I have long said that I felt like the most the MCU is generally very good at casting, but the most criminal underuse of an amazing acting talent is what they did with Idris Elba. That's like, true, but like, a, what you're talking about yeah. the race thing, but also just he's such a good actor and he's, he's an never amazing got to actor. Do anything? Yeah, he's an amazing yeah. actor, but like, the, you did not have to make a multiracial. An, an a multiracial race of gods from from Norway, like mm-hmm. it, 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 oh. <laughs> Hogan yeah, he... didn't need to have a strong Asian accent, didn't need to be Asian at all. They didn't need to make the bouncer black. If you wanted an international um, cast, then you could do Selvig and Darcy as as your minorities and that would be fine because mm-hmm. they don't exist until the success of the mcu and now they're in the comics but <laughs> yeah in terms of, especially like if you're gonna go for multiracial making the black guy the bouncer is maybe not the best look i can understand that oh man and this i'm speaking as having been a bouncer myself <laughs> <laughs> but man that oh man but I, I also agree that they horribly underused Idris Elba. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. I can't wait to, to see uh, Stallone as Starhawk, though. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Suicide Squad. With, no, with Stallone as is Starhawk in, in, in Guardians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. One last thing I just wanted to quickly drop, and then I think we can wrap up. Um, I like how much they specifically name drop Nazis in this as like the epitome of like the problems that things can become, you know? And like, there's a couple points where they're, they're talking about like Nazis and, and how bad that is. And then Carly specifically calls John Walker when they're fighting, like she calls him a Nazi, um, mm. which I, I just really like that because I feel like that's not, I mean, obviously cap fought Nazis back in the day. And I think for a lot of us, like Nazis can always be like, the, like you want a quick go to like, who's the most evil, evil Nazis. But like, you know, in a in our own world, when like neo Nazism is kind of back on the rise again, and there's all questions about like you know, Carly seems to believe that you punch Nazis, uh, and so right. I just kind of like the, sure. the show kind of taking a clear like naming that specifically. Yeah, yeah, and maybe sometimes blow them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I felt I still feel so bad for you. <laughs> she started killing just wantonly. Mm-hmm. Just like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's it. It actually reminds me of season three of the Legend of Korra, where they have uh, this character Zaheer, who's an anarchist, and um, and I just love him as a character. He's played voiced by Henry Rollins, yeah. yeah. And then like they just like keep going down a certain, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> I've, eh. and they just we have an episode on that. From their love, yeah. God, that was so. Oh no, that was baller. That was great. Yeah, (laughs) I want to make a a Twitch that's uh, or a Twitch a TikTok that's that scene with the song "You Take My Breath Away." Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) 
And on that note, I think we will start to wrap up. <laughs> Paul, if people want to find your TikToks or your thoughts on other places, how can they do that? Uh, at Zen Madman. I do have a TikTok now. I haven't posted anything yet, but if I do, it'll be that one. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, and Will, uh, we talked about hype as a superpower. You want to say a word or two about that podcast and where people can find you? Yeah, uh, hype, my, hype is my superpower. It's a weekly podcast where my best buddy and I, Steve, talk about uh, the comics we read over the last week. Um, the it's uh, You can find it pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, we also have a Facebook group where you can post questions for us to answer. And uh, we have an Instagram page that is not very active because I'm very behind. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Well, great. Thank you both so much uh, for being on here. Definitely check out, um, uh, to, to our fans, definitely check out Hype is My Superpower. Definitely check out uh, Paul's stuff at Zen Madman. There's a lot of, there's some great videos. Uh, these put up on, uh, you have the videos on YouTube, right? The chess t- tutorials and stuff? Yeah, just uh, just just go to Twitter or something okay. and I post things <laughs> about what I post. Sounds good, yeah. <laughs> and eventually my website will like be a thing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Definitely check out the content by both of these folks. Thank you both so much for being a part of this. And to our fans, let us know what you think. We'd love to get, uh, we'd love to hear from you more. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter under the Ethical Panda. You can also email me at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. And you can find everything there uh, by just going to theethicalpanda.com, my website for all the podcasts. Uh, along with this podcast, I also do a podcast on the Star Wars universe, where we just did an episode on. The Last Jedi, uh, going deep into that movie and talking all, all sorts of thoughts about that. And all the podcasts I do are part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. There you can find the podcasts that I do. You can also find great podcasts on the MCU. Uh, so they're also doing great reviews of the Falcon, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You can find great stuff on Star Trek, on the DC Universe, on their Bingers, uh, Bingers Assemble um podcast they just did a whole thing on the monsterverse the kong and godzilla movies i don't really agree with some of their takes but they're great (laughs) very entertaining i've learned that i am not a fan of kaiju movies i am a fan of movies that have kaiju and also great plot and characterization and i've been told that we don't need those for good kaiju movies don't exist yeah that's legit they that's the thing they did exist in kong skull island and they did exist in pacific rim so now i want them always Mm. okay Fair enough. That's another story for another time. Mm. Um, but one one definite thing I want you to check out on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network is there's now a new podcast that's gotten started by two of our members, specifically on animation. Uh, it's called The Animation Deliberation. They've been doing some great things on Young Justice. And pretty soon, uh, we'll be doing a podcast in co- combination with them, Star Wars Universe, as well as them, on The Bad Batch, the new animated Star Wars show that's coming to Disney Plus in May. So, Check all those out. Definitely check out the content of Paul and Will. And please let us know what you think. We'd love to hear you in the discussion. Thank you so much, and have a great day. <laughs>